the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So they hoped that the resurrection story would become nothing more than a story of a tomb raider who came to a tomb and stole the body away and that the myth of Jesus would be quickly dismissed and he would be thought of as simply a hiccup in history. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is entitled, The Tomb Raider, and it is a part of the Revelation series. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Here is Pastor Mike. You know, the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ. John writes in Revelation 1-2 that he bore witness to all that he saw. There's no missing it here. John saw Jesus on the island of Patmos. The living Lord was there and the living Lord touched John. The book of Revelation provides a visualization of who Jesus is, but it does not end with this vision of Jesus The vision of who Jesus is and what he looks like and what it means to see Jesus moves quickly to the tactile sense. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet though dead, but he laid his right hand on me. Now how does the song go? He touched me. And oh, the joy that thrilled my soul. He touched me. I mean, dear heart, it's one thing to see the living Lord. It's another thing for his hand to reach out and touch you where you live. He saw Jesus, and Jesus touched John, alone on an island, alone without a mapped out future, unable to direct his own course of life. The hand of God in Jesus touched him. God has given us the book of Revelation so that we may see Jesus as the Son of Man. And the Jesus you see in the vision of the apocalypse, dear heart, is not just a vision, it is reality. The Christ that appeared to John can touch you where you live. The book of Revelation is about a personal religion that brings the resurrected Christ into your life so Jesus can touch you every day of your life. Dear heart, it's not enough to see Jesus. The Son of Man must reach out and touch you for you to live again. The resurrected Christ can touch you and He can lift you up and He can make you live again. If you can't make yourself live, He can make you live. His touch can pull you from the ground and lift you to the air. The resurrected Christ can touch you and lift you and make you alive. John wasn't dead, but he felt dead. And maybe that's how you feel today. You know, maybe you've been going through these times we're living in, this funny era of Western civilization. As you're trying to map out your family's future... You're trying to figure out your own, and maybe you feel dead. Maybe your energy is gone. Maybe you have lost it in your pursuit of God. 
That's where John was at. He felt dead, and so he fell at his feet like a dead man. There are times in life when we go to church, we go through the rounds of religion, we apply ourselves to Christian activity, and burnout sets in. And dear heart, according to this verse, if you're that way and you fall at Jesus' feet like a dead man, Christ can raise you up. When Jesus touches you, he touches you with his right hand. The text says in verse 18, But he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not. Fear is the modern emotion that rules the political and personal life all around us. Is it not? I mean, you cut on the news, isn't it governed by fear? Isn't fear the enzyme, the active enzyme that is forming the next morphine of Western civilization, something that who knows what it is? I mean, fear is the stuff that is shaping the future right before our eyes. The war on terror is a war on fear, and fear seems to be winning in this world of fear. Luke 21, Christ said that the age of terror, the age of fear, would be the attitude and the environment just before the second coming of Jesus Luke 21, 25, and 26, there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and upon the earth distress of nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Men fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. In the book of Revelation, the powers of the heavens are demonic powers. Even the devils will tremble. Fear will motivate the unseen spiritual forces that will stir up the sea of nations for global conflict. People are afraid. Demons are afraid because the devil himself cannot manage world history. They're afraid of not having health insurance today. People are afraid of unseen evils that can blow up a city and sink a family's dreams for the future. Fear, as I said, is that evil enzyme that is producing the next morphine of Western civilization and who knows what. And when men and women everywhere are overcome with fear, where do you turn when the powers of the heavens tremble too? Jesus' words are timeless in this age of fear. Fear not, I am the first and the last. You ever want to know how your story will end? You ever want to know the final chapter of your life? The outcome of your history? If you have Christ, you don't have to figure it out. Do you hear me? If you have Christ, you don't have to figure out the final chapter of your life. Because Christ is the final chapter of your life. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one that makes you have a future. If the past is pressing hard and down on you, because conscience has been pricked, because you've let the Lord down, because you've let yourself down, if that's the case with you, dear friend, Jesus has overcome your past at the cross of Calvary. He caught up to you. He traversed the history of your past and came to the cross to find you in your today. And the prayer from Calvary's cross is clear for those who need the truth. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. You, know, you don't know the half of what's inside your head. You don't know the, the hidden parts of psychology that motivates you. Jesus does. And the words we hear from the cross of Calvary are the final words of God's verdict on you. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know, if you're dealing with the past, the cross is the place where it falls off your shoulder. But if you're afraid of the future, you need to know right now that Jesus is in the future because he's been resurrected from the dead. He stands at the end of your road with a key that opens the door to a life beyond what you can plan and think. And if Christ is the first and the last, that means Jesus is between the Alpha and the Omega. He is between the first and the last. He is right here today for you. Now, how do we know that? It's obvious in the context. John says, I saw him and he touched me. I mean, don't run over these words. Don't read them too quickly. 
I saw him and he touched me. Jesus is alive today, friend, and he can touch you. It takes a living Lord to touch you, and Jesus can because he lives. A real hand touches you. I don't care what you're going through today. Jesus can reach out to you and touch you. It doesn't matter how bad you've been beaten down in life. Jesus can raise you up in this life, and he can raise you for the next life too. It doesn't matter who has touched you and how they have touched you. It doesn't matter. Jesus can still touch you, and when he touches you, he places his right hand upon you. He's not afraid to touch you. Do you hear me? He's not afraid to touch you, and his, his touch removes fear. In the book of Revelation, we encounter the resurrected Lord who is in the business of lifting the life that has been knocked down. Maybe that's you. If it is, the vision of Jesus is for you. He's the tomb raider in your life. He is the escape from a life that isn't worth living, that's really dead. When you fall at his feet as though you're dead, he's the one who raises you up. The Lord you see is the one who touches you. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus appeared in white with Elijah and Moses, the vision passed and the disciples were terrified. Look at Matthew 17, verse 7. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Notice that touch precedes sight in this instance. When Christ touches you, the things you fear disappear, and the only one you see in the night is the Son of Man. There are so many things in life that draw us away from Jesus Christ. Can you say yes to that or no? Yeah, there are. I mean, if, you know, I hear people act like they have no trouble in life, and I wonder about those folks. I really do. I say, I don't live a life like that. You know, they, they sit and they act like, you know, they have this even kill spiritual existence and nothing's happened to them. Well, I don't believe a word of it. There is a life that is in need of Jesus Christ, and I think it's every man, every woman's life. Two blind men were pursuing Jesus because they couldn't see Jesus. They were following the voice of Jesus, hoping to touch Jesus. You know how the blind see? They see by touch. They don't see with their eyes. They see by touch. Have mercy on us, son of David, they cried out. And then they said, Lord, let our eyes be opened. Now, how do you open the eyes of a blind person when the only sight they have is touch? Matthew 20, 34, and Jesus in pity touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. The blind see by moving their hands across the braille, by touching the facial features. And Christ doesn't just make them see. He touches their eyes. The first sensation of sight is the feeling of touch for them on their eyes. Then they see. When Christ touches you, he opens your eyes so you can really see him. His touch precedes real sight. So John saw Jesus, sure enough. But when Jesus touched him, he saw everything else in the book of Revelation about Jesus. The whole book comes after he's touched by Jesus. Without the touch of Jesus, the prophet's eyes remain blind and they cannot see into the future. I was at the bank yesterday talking to a friend who's named Michael, just like me. He's a really nice guy. Uh, he's down at Sandy Spring Bank. Just a wonderful Christian gentleman. He told me plainly that he wanted to be a theologian at some time in the past. And when he was in school, he went to his professor to talk to him about the book of Revelation. And he said to him, when you get a Ph.D. in the book of Revelation, you come to me and then we'll talk. It's pretty cold, isn't it? I've met people like that. <laughs> you have too. 
Well, you don't have to have a Ph.D. to talk to Jesus. He's not ashamed to touch you and to open your eyes no matter where you've come from in life or where you're going. I'm not trying to discourage anyone from advanced learning here. Don't misunderstand me. But if your attitude is one of humility, God can use you in that Ph.D. But it doesn't matter if you have no humility. No degree of higher learning can take the place of the simple touch of Jesus in your life. I mean, no amount of tradition you've stacked into your family system. It doesn't matter who served in the church in this capacity or that. It won't help you if Christ doesn't touch you. I mean, it doesn't bring merit in your life because you have a long line of Christian workers in your family. What matters is what you do with Jesus. John gave us the book of Revelation because Jesus can touch you. That's what qualified John to really see. When Peter cut off the ear of the high priest's servant in Luke twenty-two fifty-one, Jesus said, no more of this. And he reached out his hand and he touched the man and he healed his ear immediately. You see, Jesus' touch heals the man's ear immediately. It is a spiritual principle that you can't see spiritual things and you can't hear the things of God either unless Jesus reaches out to touch you and heal you. And when he does, you really see and you really hear the deep things of God for the first time in your life and if you cherish the touch for the rest of your life. Jesus touched John with his right hand. Now, why not his left? Really, why not his left? Why his right hand? In the Bible, the right hand is the hand of favor and of authority. You know, when Christ touches you with the right hand, it's the hand of grace and favor, and it's the hand that can fix the stuff in your life. It's the hand of authority. Let me prove it to you. Exodus fifteen six, The song of Moses and the Lamb is there seeing the Egyptians defeated in the Red Sea. They sing this song that bursts from liberated spirits. Thy right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. I mean, if you have enemies in your life, the right hand of Jesus can touch you and take them out of your life. Exodus fifteen twelve. Thou didst stretch out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Psalm sixteen eleven. Thou didst show me the path of life. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. In thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalms 18.35, Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand supported me, and thy help made me great. Psalm 63.8, My soul clings to thee. Thy right hand upholds me. I mean, I don't want Christ to touch me with his left hand. What about you? I want to be touched with the right hand. The right hand is the hand of favor and authority. Jesus told John to fear not. He said, I am the first and the last. Revelation 1.18, And the living one, I died and behold I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Friend, Jesus is not a memory. He's not a wish. He's not an aspiration of what might have been. Christ is unmistakably the living one. He says, I died, sure enough, but I'll never die again. Because I'm alive, your life, you can live every day of your life based on the reality of my indestructible life. And through the power of an indestructible life, God has declared that Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He can never die. His power can never be withdrawn from your need. His immense prayer focus can never escape where you are in life. And I can be a tomb raider, he says, in your life. I can take the dead parts out and make you live again. 
Dear friend, Jesus is the Lord of your todays. As long as you're alive, he lives for you. He's the Alpha and the Omega, and he is alive today for you. And for the rest of your life, from now on, no matter how bad it gets in life, Jesus is still the living one. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Now, what does the life of Jesus mean? What does a resurrected living Lord mean today to us? What does it mean to know the Tomb Raider in our life? The book of Hebrews sheds light on the significance of a life that can never end in Jesus Hebrews 7, 23-25, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, that is Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Now all of this in these two verses leads us to a therefore statement, a consequently statement, a conclusion based on the reality that he can never die. Verse 25, consequently... He is able for all time to save those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Now, all time means today too, friend. It means right now in your present struggle, He is able to save you and He will save you because He can never die. Your living Lord is alive so He can pray for you every moment of your life for the rest of your life. Now, we must grasp this truth and not surrender it easily. It doesn't matter if you've been afflicted with a cancer in you. It doesn't matter if the doctors give you so much time to live. It doesn't matter if you're struggling with depression or some other illness. Friend, Christ is alive for you. He ever lives to make intercession for you. He is bathing your present need with the power of omnipotent prayer as He lays hold of the power of God and it flows through Him to you as you pray. And even if you don't pray because you can't pray, because you're not down on your knees, if you fall at His feet like a dead person, He is there and He prays for you. That's what the book of Hebrews is saying. He cannot die. And there's no reason to fear the future. The life you really live that's worth living is because He lives for you forever. At the end of Revelation 1.18, Jesus shows John what is in his right hand. Hangs from his shoulder, but he opens something with it. The right hand that touches Jesus is holding something that matters. Revelation 1.18, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have, and I have, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Hades means the grave. When you hold the right hand of Jesus Christ, you hold the hand that holds the keys. When you hold the hand that holds the keys, there's no reason to be afraid anymore. The keys are an allusion to one text in the Old Testament. It's full of meaning. Revelation 1, Jesus is dressed in white and he wears the girdle of the high priest. In Isaiah 22, 20 
and 21, we see Eliakim, who looks the same as Jesus does in Revelation 1. There is a parallel here, a cross-referencing of prophetic insight. Isaiah 22.20, In that day I will call my servant Eliakim the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe, and will bind your girdle on him, and will commit your authority to his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Now notice verse 22, which is the important cross-reference here. Isaiah 22.22, And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. He shall shut and none shall open. The key that opens the house of David to eternity. The key that opens the house of God to broken down people who need a resurrection power in their life. The key that opens the door to death in the grave. Eliakim had the key of authority for David's house that opened the door. The name in Hebrew, Eliakim, is a sentence and it means God raises up. Friend, Jesus has the keys of authority and grace because Jesus is God. And Jesus stands for God and God has given the keys to Jesus. Why? Because God raised Jesus from the dead. And the one who died is able to raise you from the dead. The one who died is able to raise your life to hope again. The one who died is able to pull you up from whatever situation you're facing and give you the glow of optimism to face a future with him. Friend, Jesus is the tomb raider in your life. Oh, trembling heart, don't be afraid of tomorrow. And don't shiver in your todays. Jesus has reached down to touch you with the right hand of God. It holds the key. And when you hold his right hand, it is the hand of favor and authority that raises you up. And the hand you hold is the hand that holds the keys. In Jesus, God raises up. On the current cover of Newsweek magazine is a picture of Jesus. I don't know if you saw it. The article was written by a man who is trying to argue that the church has blown it so badly that Christians should really forget about the social causes in Christianity and just follow Jesus in a mystical kind of way. Stay out of the real world, go back to the mystical world, kind of like that. On the cover, Jesus stands in the road of a busy street. He is dressed in a jacket and he has a clean worker's shirt on. In the picture, he looks like a protester from the Woodstock generation or Occupy Wall Street. You know it's Jesus because he wears a crown of thorns on his head. The caption is meant to make you think a little bit. It reads, forget the church, follow Jesus. Now we live in an age full of secular religious experts who want to tell the church how it has to function. Who want to tell believers how they need to relate to the body of Christ and to Christ. And they become these pontificating forces that want to correct the church when they believe the church is erred. And so they're arguing in the article that Jesus is somehow incompatible with the Christian church. Friend, the Jesus who died on the cross cannot forget his church. He is the living Lord who walks in the midst of the seven candlesticks. He loves his church to the end of time. And Jesus is not about forgetting the church. And he doesn't want you to forget the church either. He holds the seven stars in his right hand. And the vision of Jesus that John saw is for the church and for everyone in it till the end of time. It is to be shared. It is to be felt. It is to be part of the everlasting gospels proclaimed to people who need good news in their life. He told John to write it down and spread it around. Revelation 1.19 Now write what you see, what is, and what is to take place hereafter. And as for the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches, 
And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The hand that reached down to touch John was the hand that holds the church to the end of time. If Jesus can hold the church together, if he can hold the seven stars, the seven angels, the seven ministers to the churches universal, he can hold you together if you're in the church. Did you hear me? I mean, there's not here a theology of being outside the church and somehow getting the help of Jesus in your life. There is a theology of being in Christ, in the church, and Christ holds you. He holds the keys because he's the tomb raider. And he can keep you in the church so your life can make a difference in the lives of others who are seeking Jesus too. In the church, in the hand of Christ, you can be raised up right now to make a difference in the life of someone else who's been knocked down in their life. Friend, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. And don't forget about his church either. Hold the hand that holds the keys. And don't be afraid of any kind of tomorrow. And with the other hand, you see one hand holding the hand that holds the keys. With the other hand, hold the hand of someone else and show them the way to link that hand to the hand that holds the keys. Why? Because Jesus is the tomb raider and he is in the business of making men and women who feel dead live again to the glory of God in Jesus' name. That will conclude a message Pastor Michael Oxentenko entitles The Tomb Raider, a part of the Revelation series. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. And if you would like to attend in person at the church, we would love for you to do that. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.